Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I get to start a new series today called Made for This. You may have seen the, uh, the graphic. And I decided since I'm calling the shots around here that I get to go first in this message of the new series. Y'all okay with that? Can we, can, can we do that today? And I, I'm, so, I'm excited and encouraged um, to be here, but I'm often faced with this realization sometimes. I, I've, I've been a part of our team here at Our Savior's Church for almost 18 years, um, but my time here at this campus um, specifically has me feeling like a rookie all over again uh, in, in many ways. And uh, you guys are so awesome and so welcoming um, across the board. I had this, this keen awareness, though, that uh, though I'm building now, I wasn't the one who started this work that's here, right? And there, there have been pastors that have gone before. We know Pastor Jacob's done an incredible job. Even Pastor Jacob, when he started Our Savior's Church, um, you know, I, I'm aware Pastor Paul has been serving in this community for well over 40 years now, and I'm super grateful and honored to have him um, with us on the front row. And uh, I've, I've said this before, Pastor Paul is a safety net for me. Um, I ask him the questions uh, that I don't get to ask anybody else. And uh, I expect that he'll tell me the truth in a way that nobody else will. And if you know Pastor Paul, you know he will, he will do that. But here's the reality. Pastor Paul didn't even start the work here. And I didn't get a chance to meet or to know his father, Pastor Pop, Pop Neal, um, that, that served here as many of you guys did. Um, and he did an amazing work here in New Iberia, did he not? But Pastor Pop Neal wasn't the one who started the work here as well. And we can go back and back and back and back and back in time and realize that this work that we're doing today actually started with Jesus. And Jesus is the one who has started the work. And each of us have a responsibility to pay, to, to play, to make sure that it continues to go on and on and on. And so I'm honored and grateful today um, to continue to play my part in, in seeing this. And it takes many of us, each of us pitching in and doing our part so that we can see the kingdom of heaven come about. And it's going to take each of us doing our part to see the kingdom of heaven come about in New Iberia. Amen. If we're ever going to see pride, poverty, and prejudice eradicated, it's going to take a lot more than just us gathering together on a Sunday morning feeling good about ourselves to do that, right? There's going to take some unity if we're going to demolish pride in our area. It's going to take some crazy generosity if we're going to demolish this poverty that exists in our community. And it is absolutely going to take a love, the only kind of love that can come from Jesus himself if we're going to continue to tear down and eradicate the prejudice from every facet of our community. We get the privilege of talking about it in here, but the real work happens where? Out there. Out there. And with God's help and our part, we're going to see pride, poverty, and prejudice defeated in Acadiana. And I believe God wants to use the local church to do that. And when I say local church, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. I grew up, thank you, Kason, I, I, I appreciate your help today. I, I grew up, I want to tell you a little bit about my story as it relates to the local church. 
And I grew up as what I would call a CEO Christian. You know what I'm talking about? It's the Christmas and Easter only kind of Christian. The, the, the kind that if it's Christmas, we're going. If it's Easter, we're going. If it's not, I'm fishing, I'm doing whatever else there is doing that. And my uncle actually pastored the church that I say I grew up in, um, but we, we, seldom, we seldom went. I actually remember my mom saying uh, this growing up, son, if anybody ever asks, uh, tell them you're a Christian. Okay? And then she said this, she said, if anybody keeps asking, tell them you're Baptist. Okay. Didn't make a lot of sense to me. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until junior high, um, long after we had that conversation, that a friend of mine asked if I was a Christian, if I went to church. And I said, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, because that's what my mom said. And uh, he asked me, he said, well, what church do you go to? And he stumped me, because we never went. I couldn't remember. I couldn't tell him what church we went to. And I was just kind of like, uh. And he says, well, well, I go to the Methodist church. And it was the ist part that triggered in my mind. I think, oh, I'm Baptist. He's like, okay, and it ended the conversation right there. And I thought, that's what she meant. If, if anybody ever asked, tell them you're a Christian, and if they keep asking, tell them that you're Baptist. It all made sense now at that point. It wasn't until college that things really started to look much differently from my spiritual life. I had a friend that invited me to church um, midweek, and I didn't think much of it. After all, if you ask me, I'm going to tell you I'm a Christian. Christians go to church. So I thought, sure, I'll go to church. If he kept asking me, I'd tell you I'm Baptist. But he didn't in this instance. He just invited me to, to church. And so I went. And uh, we pulled up in this parking lot. It was a gravel parking lot. And there was an old feed store that was there. I still remember it to this day. Old blue, old feed store. And I'm thinking, man, this is not quite the church that I expected. I didn't have much church experience, so I didn't really know that churches could look like this. We walked in. There was bare concrete floors, studded walls, about 20 metal folding chairs in one particular room of the, 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 the big room there. There was a dilapidated piano, a little busted up drum set, and uh, one of those overhead transparency screens. You know what I'm talking about? You pull down kids. We'll have to explain that later. Um, if you don't know what, what that is. And I'll never forget just feeling like is this, a, is this a church? Like where, where am I in the middle of this? The pastor got up and he preached an amazing word. And at the end of his message, this was a Wednesday night, he, he said, we're having a work day. Obviously, we're just starting the work here. And uh, so if, if you know any carpentry, if you know electrical, if you know any plumbing at all, you know, please come on Saturday and help us. There's lots to do. And then he said, if you don't know how to do those things, but you can pick up trash or maybe haul things for somebody, or maybe push a broom, and he just kept going, right? If, if you can't do that, and you can pass out water, please, please show up on Saturday. If you can just breathe, would you please come breathe with us on Saturday morning um, to do that? And for whatever reason, I had nothing going on on Saturday, and I showed up. My uncle was a finished carpenter. My dad is an auto mechanic, so I've always kind of felt, you know, handy. I'm the DIY guy um, on, on screen, and I just kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up. And one work day turned into two, turned into three. And for three months, I just kept showing up, putting my hands to something. And here's the reality. I helped build that church. It was cool. I'd never been a part of anything like that before. 
But here's what I realized. All the while I was building the church inside that old feed store, God began to build a life inside this old heart of mine. And I grew more in my relationship with God in those three or four months, just pitching in, pushing a broom, breathing with some of those people. Then in the 18 years in the church, I say I grew up in but never went. Anybody relate to experience like that? You, 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 you grew up in a, in a church or saying you were part of a particular church, but you never really went. It was just kind of the thing you did. That was, that was my story, and it wasn't until I got connected and started to contribute in a local church that I started to realize, man, God's doing something on the inside. I didn't go there to do that because I was expecting God to do something. It's just something he started to do as I was putting my hands to something today. And I think today that's why I'm so passionate about the local church. Part of it said, Jesus has changed my eternity, but the local church has changed my life. It was actually Pastor Bill Hybels who said this. He said, the local church is the hope of the world. And I believe it. And I believe that because the local church became the hope of my world. And listen to me, I absolutely believe that if we keep showing up and keep pitching in, it will be the hope of our world too. And I'm not just talking about the local churches in this congregation. I'm talking about the local churches and there are many congregations in our area of churches. I'm talking about those those God-fearing, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Jesus is the sinless, resurrected Son of our Lord who came and sacrificed himself for us kind of churches around here in this area. And you'll hear me every week say, there are a lot of great churches in our area. And I'm honored that you would choose to come and worship with us. But can I tell you, I'm not about building this local church as much as I am about building this local church across the way. And you'll hear, you'll hear it come out in moments when, when we were serving Weston Park for Easter. We, we got out there, we got on stage, and we were serving the families in our community. It was the day before Easter, and I wanted nothing more for those people to be in church. And I told them, I said, listen, I, I want you guys to be in church. If, if you don't have a church, come to ours. I kind of think it's good. I really like it. But if you have a church that you're part of, go there. I said this from the stage, call your mama and tell her I'm coming with you to church today. And I think there's something healthy about being okay with building the church as a whole and not just building here for the sake of building here. How many of you think if we work on building his church, God will work on building ours across the way? In, in Bible school, a student asked um, our pastor, which Bible translation is the best for us? And uh, he smirked a little bit and he said, the one you'll read. So I'm going to ask you, which church is the best? How about the one you'll attend? The one you'll show up and pitch in and help out um, to do that? Scripture's depiction of the local church isn't just this place that we gather on Sunday. Scripture actually paints a picture quite differently. It shows the local church is something that happens Monday through Saturday, so to speak. But make no, make no mistake, there's a power and a corporate anointing that comes when we gather and worship together in this place Together, Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 and 20 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Look at this. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Well, how many of you know we're in a season where people have formed a lot of different habits 
as a result of this pandemic. And I'm keenly aware that there are people in our congregation that are staying home for health reasons and concerns that they have. And, and I'm grateful that we can bring the message through podcasts and through online and all of that. But if you're staying home as a result of a habit, scripture tells us that that's not the right kind of habit to have. The right kind of habit to have is one where we gather together. Look at this. But encouraging one another and all the more. Can you say that? All the more. As you see the day drawing near. Scripture doesn't tell us that we should be gathering less and less, but rather we should be gathering all the more, more and more. And listen to me, church, if we're ever going to be the kind of church that tears down pride, poverty, and prejudice in our community out there, we must be the kind of church that tears down pride, poverty, and prejudice in our hearts in here. It's got to start here. That's why I loved communion earlier today. Look around. There are people surrounding you that don't vote the way you vote, watch the same news you watch. Everything about our society today is so polarized. How many environments do you have on a weekly basis where you can come together and be with people who are just like you in this one instance, but not like you in every other? I'm telling you, it's the local church. It starts here in our local church. It starts with us. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Don? It starts with us here in our local church. Um, I'm, I'm gonna take some time today and I'm gonna unpack something that I see in scripture as it relates to the role that we have as believers and the part that we play in our local church because here's what I know. You were made for this. You were made for this. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus while he's in prison. He, he started the church there had some believers who, who converted to Christianity who were teaching and loving and discipling others in Jesus and they had started a congregation, an ecclesia, a, a church, if you will. And while he was in prison, he writes this letter to them. And it's a very linear thought throughout the whole letter. Paul takes and he goes line upon line upon line all the way through. And we're gonna focus on three particular chapters um, this, this morning as he starts this journey of the story of the gospel and ends up ending how it applies to each and every person individually. We, we, we start in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul's writing about this big picture Christianity, right? He's, he's teaching as you read that chapter this concept that Christianity isn't just for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles. He, he talks of this mystery of the gospel revealed, and it's that, that, that all that Jesus did wasn't just for Jews, it was also for Gentiles or non-Jews as, the, as well. In Ephesians 3.8, you'll see, we'll read this together, 3.8 through 10. Paul says, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for all ages in God who created all things so that, look at this part, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Paul gives us this picture as he's talking about this macro, big picture Christianity, how this is supposed to work, that he has a special intention for the church to demonstrate something. And what is it that he's demonstrating? This wisdom, the manifold wisdom of God, and that it would be made known if the church was doing what it's supposed to be doing. Later on in chapter five, Apostle Paul shifts from this big picture Christianity to start talking about this personal story, this personal relationship that we see in Ephesians. It starts out saying, you know, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Walk in love, he's telling you, individually 
to do that. As a sweet-smelling aroma, Scripture tells us that we're supposed to behave. This individual picture of what it's supposed to look like for me. Husbands, it's in chapter 5 that your wives are told to submit to you. You're welcome. In case you needed to know that Scripture reference. You all know the verse, but you might not know the Scripture reference. It's in there. But it's also in that same chapter, by the way, that husbands are directed to love your wives the way that Christ loved the church and to lay yourself down for that. How many of you know you don't get one without the other? Amen. It takes, it takes both um, to do that. But that's the picture of Ephesians chapter 5. It teaches us about our personal relationship with Christ. Now, here's the cool part. Right between chapter 3, talking about the big picture of Christianity, and right between chapter 5, talking about this personal story, the Apostle Paul brings us Ephesians chapter 4, And in chapter 4, he paints this picture of what the local church is supposed to look like, taking the big picture and the personal story and blending them together. He actually calls each of you members of one body in this passage. Each of you are a part to play in this whole thing. It's, It's in that same concept that he shows us this big picture, the mastery of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, rather, can make its way into the individual lives of the believers. It's so the local church can show that 20-year-old Don Norman what it's supposed to look like in something that he could never have experienced outside of a local church congregation. In it, we see the purpose for leadership positions, like a pastor we see in the church. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 11. We'll put it up on the screen. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Don't miss what just happened here. My job as a pastor is not to do ministry. It's to do what? To equip who? Us, you, the saints, all of us. My job as a pastor is to equip the saints to do ministry, not to do ministry myself. I'll never forget, I was thinking about this the other day. Many, many, many moons ago, we were sitting in a staff meeting with Pastor Jacob, and there was just a few of us pastors on staff, and he was getting at the heart of this, and how we're going to start a congregation, we're going to build a church that isn't focused on doing ministry, but equipping people to do ministry. And my pastor actually told me this, he said, if I catch you doing ministry, I'll fire you. I want to see you equip people to do ministry. And from day one, our church has been the kind of church that isn't about just a few pastors doing this amazing thing. It's about all these people doing this amazing thing that God put in them beforehand that we get to walk in. Church today has become in many ways about the celebrity pastor. I don't like it. I don't find it in scripture. I find a congregation of people pitching in, showing up, doing the things that God's called them to do. That's actually one of the reasons why I've been really excited to bring you every single weekend a different voice from our team. So you're not hearing just from one speaker, right? Imagine driving in your car, listening to the radio, and it was coming out of only one speaker. And then imagine how different it sounds, how better it sounds when you put on the surround sound and it comes from all the speakers. In many ways, that's what's been so healthy about how we've been building, how we've been communicating here. Having all the pastors come in, you're getting the same message, the same direction from multiple speakers, and there's some health involved in that as we're equipping you to do ministry. So if the local church helps us equip saints to do ministry, why is that? Why is that? Let's keep going in Ephesians 4, 13 through 15. 
says this, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To what? To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of Christ. Look at this picture and don't miss it. It's the local church that helps us teach and learn doctrine so that we can know what's true. Scripture tells us that if we didn't have that, we'd be tossed around like children, not knowing what to believe. How many of you can appreciate the church helps me grow and mature through the wisdom and the the doctrine that I learn that's here, but also speaking the truth in love? This is where you learn how to do that. How many of you know social media is not a place where you're going to learn doctrine? It's definitely not a place where you're going to learn to speak that truth in love. If anything, it's quite the opposite. Paul paints this picture that if big picture Christianity is going to happen the way that it needs to happen so that individual personal story Christianity can take place, we need a local congregation. We need a church to sit in the middle to help us learn what's true doctrine and how to speak it in love. And it's in that context that this all works. Do you see that? Ephesians 4.16 has a, a phrase that is used, and it's fairly complicated, but we're going we're to break it down the way he says it. Ephesians 4.16 says this, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. He's talking about this whole body is made up of these individual parts that are being fit and held together almost like a puzzle piece where every joint is supplying something and when that happens, it causes the growth of the body of the building itself up in love. Don't miss this. He's not saying, you go to this local church and there's gonna be a pastor there that shows up with the whole weight of the congregation, the ministry on his shoulders and he's gonna be doing the work. He doesn't say that. He says, the whole congregation is made up of a body of individual people that fit together and each of them fit together according to the part that they contribute. And it's the fact that they're pitching in, they're joined together, they're fitting in that makes this whole thing grow. That's the important part and what the Apostle Paul is saying here in Scripture. So how does it apply? Psalm 68, we're not gonna turn there, but Psalm 68, 6 actually says this, that God places the lonely in families. It goes on to say, but the rebellious dwell in the dry land. But think about this for a second. Why does God place the lonely in families? Well, because they're lonely, Pastor Don. Think about this for a second. Is it only because the spiritual family has something that the lonely person needs? God's placed you in this spiritual family. How many of you come up from, come from you say, my family's kind of a little jacked up? Anybody? If you're sitting with your family, I don't recommend you raise your hands. We, we have a couple of crazy uncles in here, um, but in many ways, this is a spiritual family. And I love seeing how God will use spiritual family to fill the gaps in whatever natural family has left us lacking in. He does. He does. Some of us in here have found father figures when we didn't have father figures ourselves. Some of us have found mothers, sisters, brothers that we've never had an experience like what we've had here. God placed the lonely in families. But let me ask you this question. 
if we're all part of a body, what benefits more? Does the hand benefit more from being a part of the body or does the body benefit from having a hand? What would the body be able to accomplish if it weren't for the hands? What would the hands be able to do if it weren't for the body? And I think it's very easy sometimes to think about congregations and think about churches and think about our spiritual family in this way, that the lonely needed the family. That's why they're here. That's why God put them here. But I'm here to tell you, I think it's almost just as true the other way around. The family needs the lonely. That there's a picture of what God has in store for this local congregation, for this family, that is incomplete until that person starts coming and pitching in and helping out and doing what it is. I would say it this way. If you're brand new here today, thank you so much for coming. We've been waiting for you. We're not the picture of what God has for us until you're here in it. God's plan for our family is to have a big family photo where everybody's present. We're not photoshopping anybody in after the fact. There's a picture of what it looks like when I'm here putting myself into something that's going, putting my hands to this. There's a consumer mentality that says, I needed this family. There's a contributor mentality that says, this family needs me. And if you think about it, you wake up on Sunday morning and you may have one of two thoughts. Do I go to church today do I need it? Or do you have the thought that says, do I go to church today because they need me? If I, if I don't go today, is somebody going to miss me? Siri and I have this thing we do on Sundays as I'm driving. Um, I will ask Siri to call people that I don't see. I'll say, hey, Siri, call so-and-so. Call so-and-so. And here's the reality. I couldn't call enough people. You sit in the pew every single week next to people that you know. When was the last time you left church wondering where that person was? What would this place look like if we left here on Sunday and reached out to the people that we didn't see that we expected to come? That's the picture of what this looks like. Yes, that person needs a place of love and encouragement a place of truth, a place of holiness, a place to learn how to be a Christian. But at some point, that place needs that person to contribute back to what God put in them so the entire body can continue to grow. Look at me. God put you here because we need you. He didn't put you here because you need us. You do need us. But we need you too, and we need you equally. And when both pieces fit together like a puzzle, we see the picture of what God has in store for us. My wife tells a story often of uh, putting puzzles together as a child. She had other siblings. And one of the things that she would do is she would take a piece at random and just kind of hide it aside so that she could be the last one to finish it. Oh, look, there's only one piece left. Where could it? Oh, look, here it is. And put it in. How amazing would it be if you were that last piece, that missing puzzle, that our Savior's church, New Iberia Campus, is incomplete with a big glaring hole until you showed up and said, oh, look, here's the missing piece. Ta-da! That's the picture of the local church. Oh, I get it, Pastor Don. I see now. That's, that's what this is. You, you need us to serve and to volunteer. I, I, I get it, Pastor Don. We've got teams that are short and nursery we've got to do and all of that. Listen to me. I would tell you if we did. This place has continued to operate 
and God has continued to reach people and build lives before I was here and it'll do it long after I'm here and the work of God does not depend on any one person. But God's plan is to include you in his work. It's different. But listen to me. I, I would say it this way. You, you, see, you see all these people here on Sunday morning? Ever wonder why there's so many happy people here, here on Sunday morning? God, what do y'all do to these people that makes them so happy and all that? Well, we, we, we take their kids from, from them for, for, for a little bit. That, that, that starts, that helps. No, what, what is it? There, there are people you interact with every single Sunday that have found something that they've put their hands to that deep down on the inside they go, yes, I get to do that. I don't have to do that. And it comes out in a smile. It comes out in a greeting. It comes out in a joyful expression because what's on the inside came out in that, in that way. I would say it this way. That door doesn't need a greeter on Sunday morning. That greeter needs a door. That person realizes that I'm here for a purpose. I'm here to contribute something. And as a result of that, all we do is spend time around here trying to find ways to connect you to the thing that God has called you to do. Yeah, it's awesome that we have a greeter team that makes everybody feel hospitable and welcome when they come and showing you where you need to go and all that. But the greeter team isn't serving the church. The church is serving the greeter team. God put something inside of that person that needs to come out in that way. Do you see that? Those, those kids don't need somebody to teach them the gospel on Sunday morning. That leader needs some kids to teach what they've learned. That's how this works. It works both ways back and forth. Ephesians 4.16 gives us this unique phrase, and I want to make sure we understand it. The ESV version says it this way, and then I'll paraphrase underneath it. Each joint is held together with, each, with what each joint is equipped. In other words, each person is connected by what each person contributes. Each person is connected by what each person contributes. I'm going to tell you a story of uh, my friend Keith. And uh, Keith's been a part of our church for a very, very long time. A lot of our safety teams and um, things of that nature, Keith was a part of helping us get started and get going and uh, really um, spearhead a lot of that. And Keith called me one day and said, Pastor, I, I, I'm, I'm leaving the church. I said, well, well, Keith, he said, no, not like what you think. My job is moving me to Houston. We're not going to be able to attend anymore. I said, well, let's go to lunch. Let's talk. What can I do to help? And um, of course, we're talking about different churches, and he had this desire to be a part of a church just like ours. Pastor Don, do you know of any churches that are just like ours? My wife and I feel so connected here. And, and I, I'm scared just a little bit, Pastor Don, if I'm honest, because I know as a husband, it's my responsibility to make sure that my wife and kids have a place where they can connect and serve and be a part of. And, and, and I want to lead my family well during this time. I, I've got to go six to eight weeks. And I'm going to be in Houston trying to find a church. Do you know of any churches like ours? I want to be connected. Can't imagine my life, I can't imagine our family without a church to be a part of, to be connected to. Because so we talked about a few. And uh, he goes, comes back six, eight weeks later. He's moving his family up. And he calls, Hey, I'm in town. We're loading up the U Haul. Do you have time? Yeah, Keith, let's go to breakfast. And we went to breakfast. 
And he sat there and I expected him to tell me all about the church he found and all that they were doing and contributing. And, and here's, here's what he said. He said, Pastor, I, I haven't found a church. I just haven't been able to find a church. We've been to six, seven, eight churches. I haven't found a church like ours. I walk in and I just, I don't feel connected. And I, I'm, I'm a little scared that I'm gonna bring my family down and, and we're just not gonna have a church because I can't find a church like ours where I feel connected. Now he's talking about Houston. He's not moving to Franklin, right? There, there's a lot of churches in Houston. And as we were talking, I started to, to really question and wonder like, man, what, what is the deal? I mean, here's a guy that was plugged in, connected, I mean, the Our Savior's Church story is Keith and his wife and his daughter. And, and I, how, how, does this, how does this work? And I, I asked him this question. I said, Keith, where, where are you contributing? Where, where are you serving? Where are you pitching in? And he looks, he said, Pastor Donna, you don't understand. I, I haven't found a place to connect, so I'm not doing any of those things. I said, Keith, I think you're going about this backwards. And I opened up Ephesians and I showed him this passage in 16 and I, chapter 4, 16, and I, I reminded him of the part that each of us play in the greater whole. And I said, I think you're going about this wrong. Here, here's why. Every weekend, there are people that show up to our church and they walk in and they sit in the pew and when service is over, they leave and they don't feel connected either. This is the same church that you feel connected in. Somebody else comes in and doesn't feel connected in. What's the difference, Keith? What's the deal? And I asked him this question. I think, I think you're going about it the wrong way, Keith. Rather than looking for the right church to feel connected, why don't you start looking for the right church to participate in? When you walk in, instead of saying, does this feel like a place that I connect? How about saying, is there some place here that I can help? Remember my story? I walked in and the pastor said, we need help. And I looked around and there's studded walls. And you know what? I, I know how to do sheetrock. And, and there's a, a water fountain that doesn't work. And I know how to do a little bit of plumbing. And there's like two light fixtures hanging. I know how to do a little bit of electrical. It wasn't about whether I felt connected. It's whether or not I felt I could contribute. And I asked him, I said, Keith, all that you know, all that you've been a part of, all that you've helped start and plant here, you mean to tell me there's not one church in the greater Houston area that doesn't need those skills and that talent to be better in the areas that you can help in? Pastor, I, I never really thought about it that way. I said, Keith, I promise you, if you'll start pitching in somewhere, your connection will follow. Scripture tells us that each joint is fit and held together according to what every joint supplies. Each person in a congregation is fit and held together and finds connection, not with what the others are doing, but with what they're doing individually. Your contribution is what determines your connection. That's what we see in scripture. Ephesians 4, 16 actually tells us that you will feel as connected as much as you contribute. That's how connection works. You see it in other places in scripture as well. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The same passage in the message paraphrase says it this way. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be 
and end up being. Isn't it easy to get it backwards? It really is. It, it, it's, it's so easy to get it backwards. We only want to pitch in where we feel connected. Scripture actually tells us the opposite. We start with contribution. We end up with connection. Sure, we all want connection. But you were made for contribution. You were made for this. You were made with a part that only fits inside of a bigger picture. And that bigger picture, the Apostle Paul tells us, is here in a congregation, a part of others, pitching in. And that connection is found in that unique contribution. All right, Pastor Don, I get it. So what do you want from me? What do you want from me, Pastor Don? Look at me, nothing. I don't want anything from you. I told you before, our Savior's church was happening long before you got here, and it'll continue to happen, God willing, long after I'm gone. I don't want anything from you, but I do want something for you, and that's the difference. That's the difference. It's this thing that I want for you. I I want everything, but here's just two of them, two things, two thoughts today that I want to help you with. Number one, keep coming. Show up. Why? Because I want God to build maturity in you. Something happens in your life when you're regularly a part of a congregation, hearing doctrine, hearing truth, learning how to speak it in love, learning how to share it. Where else are you going to find so many people that disagree on so many different things come together in one place with one heart and one mind in one direction? I think the world stands to learn a lot from what we've discovered inside the church, don't you? Keep coming. Keep showing up. I want God to build maturity inside of you, and he's going to use the local church to do that. But here's the second thing I want you to do. Put your hands to something. Pitch in. Pitch in. Not only do I want God to build something in you, I want God to build others through you. God is a two birds with one stone kind of God. He's never going to do something in your life that he doesn't intend to do through your life. You don't know how many times I've sat across the table counseling a couple or counseling an individual and telling them, listen, hang on. This thing that you're fighting right now, this thing that we're working in, God's going to use it and you're going to be on this side of the table one day helping somebody else move the ball down the field in their life. What God is doing in you and through you, he wants to do through you. He didn't bring you all this way to have the story end with you. And there's something about being in a place that helps you grow in maturity that then gives you an opportunity to pass that maturity on to somebody else. That's how this works. How do we get big picture Christianity, Ephesians chapter 3, into the hearts and minds of individuals in Ephesians chapter 5? Through a congregation that functions the way Ephesians chapter 4 teaches us to function. You've been built by others in this very room. Some of your spiritual fathers are sitting right beside you. Spiritual mamas, brothers and sisters that God is using. A congregation is important and there for a reason. Here's what I know, church. You were made for this. You were made for this. And before the apostle Paul ever told you of how to treat your wife or how to walk 
as an imitator of Christ in Ephesians chapter 5. Before he ever told you how to behave in a congregation, before he ever told you in Ephesians chapter 3, the Gentiles were to be included, and there's this big picture gospel going on in Ephesians chapter 3. He wrote something in Ephesians 2 that says this very thing. I want to read it to you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared when? Beforehand that we would walk in them. There is something that God's put on the inside of you. Long before you ever thought you would darken the doorstep of our Savior's church, that he intended to come out and be an expression of himself for the congregation, for the body, fit together for the building up of others in the body. Walk in it. Walk in it. Growing up, there was a season of our life where my mom was a single mom with just us boys. And uh, she would take us to the grocery store because there was nobody to watch the kids. Mamas, that is an undertaking and a half. Kudos to every one of you that brave not just the grocery store. That's enough to make me crazy. But to try to take kids along too. Kudos to you husbands. If your wife needs to go to the grocery store, let me help you. Offer to watch the kids so she can go in peace. She may even get something you like while she's gone. Here's what my mom used to do. And I didn't realize she was doing it till much later. But we would go through the whole store, seemingly every aisle. And the last aisle that we would get to is the breakfast cereal aisle. And here was the deal. If my brother and I would behave, we get to pick our own breakfast cereal. Didn't matter. Carte blanche, whatever we wanted, if we behaved, didn't have to be corrected. She could get all our groceries in, in, in peace. Some of your mamas are making notes here. Don't bribe your children, by the way. I don't, I don't recommend that. She'd bring us to the breakfast aisle. What determined what breakfast cereal we would choose? Answer? The toy on the inside. The big deal. I've eaten every breakfast cereal known to man. And it's all about the toy that's on the inside. My brother could pick his, and I'd pick mine, and we'd wait in the car and be so excited to get home. We'd help the groceries come in, and we'd tear right through that bag. Where's the cereal? We wanted to rip the top off, shove our hands down in the inside, you know, and find that toy. Mom would always say, no, 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 you're not digging for that toy. It'll come out. You just eat the cereal, and one morning, that's torture for a kid, by the way. You know, as I got older, I started shaking it upside down. The cereal, the toy's heavier than the cereal. Like, oh, look, brother, mine came out the first bowl. You know, my brother had a different approach. He'd get a big mixing bowl and eat his cereal that way. You know, big old things. Pastor, why are you telling me about breakfast cereal? What are you talking about? That's what it's like for me every Sunday morning because I know Ephesians 2.10. And I know that God has put something on the inside of every single one of you. There's There's something in there that he put there that's supposed to come out when you're here. And there are mornings that I want nothing more than to run over, rip the top off, shove my hand down inside and say, look, here it is, let's use it. But I can't. Sometimes I just have to wait. And as you keep showing up, you keep showing up, hoping and praying that that thing that God put there on the inside comes out in that moment. And then one day, you're gonna be that person this. I had no idea that was there on the inside. Pastor John, what do you want from me? Nothing. What I want from you? That. I want that for you. 
Every week we invite people to grab a connected, get connected card, one of those blue cards in the pew pocket in front of you. If you're new here, I want you to do that, we say every week. We would not be to you who we wanted to be if we didn't help you connect with a spiritual family. We say that every week. Do you know what I don't say every week? On the other side of that get connected card are a list of opportunities where those that have been coming and have been consuming can start contributing. And that may be your next step today. You may be saying, you know what, Pastor Don? I get it. It was a point in the season of my life where God put me here and this place has been amazing for me. But I see that since I've been here, God's been building maturity in me and I'm ready to start building others. So this morning, Pastor Don, I'm gonna reach out and I'm gonna grab that Get Connected card and I'm gonna find one of those areas. It's not a life sentence. If you decide, Pastor Don, I'm gonna go pitch in and help out in the nursery and little kids aren't your thing, we're not gonna keep you back there. Our team is really good at helping people find the best spots and we may actually come up beside you and say, hey, have you ever thought about greeting at the door? Why? Because we know there's something on the inside, but you gotta take that step. You gotta take that step. We're not the church that God has called us to be if you're not doing what God has called you to do. Every piece fit and held together by what each piece provides. Can I pray for you today? Let me do that. Bow your heads, Father. I thank you. Your word is true and that we get to obey it and follow through with it, that it helps us, that it leads us. Thank you for placing me in a family. I didn't know what you were doing when you placed me there, but you knew what you were doing. They didn't know who walked in the door that day, but you did. And over time, you put me in a family and you gave a family me. And I pray within the sound of my voice, there are those people here today that you're doing that same thing the way you did back then. We're a family and you've given us to people who need it. But you've also given us people to be a part of our family. And I pray for just an opportunity, one step, whether it's a big step or a small step, just one step that helps us get closer to the picture of what you would have us to be as a body. Building up this church would be great, but we're not after that. We want to build up your church, God. Help us find those things that you've put there on the inside of us to take that step. Thank you for speaking to us today so powerfully, Lord. Speak clearly now. In Jesus' name. You may be sitting here today and say, Pastor Don, I, I think I see things a little differently. I, I can't quite explain it, but I think God's done something in my heart. And you may say, Pastor Don, I, I've, I don't know that I'm part of a church. I, I, I've, never, I've never committed my life to Christ. I don't really know what it means to be a Christian, but what you're saying today has changed something in my mind. It's, it's almost like God's doing something on the inside, and I don't quite know what that is. Jesus is having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus in John chapter three. And he says this, he says, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. Nicodemus has some questions. What do you mean? I gotta be, be born again. Jesus tells him there's a birth that happens naturally. And then there's a birth that happens spiritually. It happens from the inside out. God awakens a spiritual dead heart to be able to see things and you see the kingdom happen. And that's you today. I would reckon to tell you 
that God has done that for you. He has opened your heart, opened your mind, and you now see, not with the physical eyes that you walked in here with, but with the spiritual eyes that he has opened and brought about in you. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond to that. You say, Pastor Don, I've never given my heart to Jesus. I've never acknowledged that he's my Lord and Savior, but I wanna do that. If you're here, I'm gonna invite everybody just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you today and you say, Pastor Don, will you pray with me? Will you pray that prayer so I can acknowledge what I think God's doing on the inside of my heart? Can you raise your hand? I wanna know who I'm praying with this morning. We're not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna invite you up front. I just wanna pray a prayer. We're all gonna pray that prayer. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Anybody else? Pastor Don, my heart is beating out of my chest. I don't, I'm not sure what's going on, but I see things differently. I want to see with those spiritual eyes. Slip your hand up and I'll include you in our prayer as we pray today. Church family, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Eyes still closed, heads still bowed, nobody looking around. Let's say this together and let's say this out loud together in unity as we pray with those who are being born again. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give a round of applause for those who prayed that prayer.